0: which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L O L A V I E.
1: Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is
0: Taylor. Welcome to the Eras
1: Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras Tour. Swift Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+.
0: Welcome to the frickin' Mom Room podcast again. Take off your shoes, sit on the couch, be quiet, and listen to me. Okay, this is the second time I'm recording this because I did not press record on my GD, that stands for Goddamn Recorder, And I was talking for probably 10 minutes. And I'm in my luteal phase. So this is a lot for me to deal with. Um, Let's jump into it. It is, what is it, Wednesday? I just heard my husband come in the house. He's like, oh, I'll be outside the whole time you're recording. Really? Because why do I hear you coming back into the house? Anyways. Before I get into the topic, so the topics are people-pleasing versus kindness. I'm sure you guys have been waiting for that because I posted about it on Instagram. I don't like recording when people are in the house. Anyways, um, people-pleasing versus kindness, people feeling entitled to your labor delivery newborn baby. And the I wanted to talk about the TikTok that I shared of the mom that is like hysterically crying Hasn't slept for like a year, doesn't want to sleep train. I want to get into that. Um, But first, a little life hack, if you will. My dad shared this TikTok with my mom, and I'm assuming he saw it on Facebook. It was probably reshared from TikTok because my dad does not have TikTok. I don't think that would be wild if he did. Just opening cans of, just opening cans of pop while I'm recording. Anyways, um, you know how you buy avocados? Usually I'll buy like two or three at a time. They're rock hard. And then I wait a few days and they all ripen perfectly at the exact same time. So usually it takes me about two days to go through one avocado. And then by the time I eat that avocado, the other two that were also perfectly ripe are now bad. So what you do to avoid this, and I have seen it work with my own two eyes, because when I was at my mom's place, she showed me, and I was shocked. She was like, these avocados have been in the fridge for weeks. I was like, shut up. But they were. So you put your avocados, as soon as you buy them, they could be rock hard. They'll still ripen to the right amount in the fridge you submerge them in water. So either a big container, like a whatever, a big Tupperware container, put a bunch of avocados in, fill the container with water so that all the avocados are like submerged underwater. Or what my mom did was put them in a freezer bag and ziplock it up and fill the bag with water. Wild. I know. I was, I was in disbelief. And so she's like, oh, well, use the avocado. She had like five. She's like, we'll use them to make guacamole. And I'm like, there's no way they have been in your fridge for that long and they're going to be good. So I'm going to make a reel because obviously I took video of the whole thing and like the hack and I'll share it. But I took a video of her like opening each of the avocados. Every single one was perfect. And I was shocked. So that's a life hack that I am going to use because I want to eat avocados every day, but it's hard to, you would have to go to the grocery store every single day, buy one avocado, and then the next day buy another and like go on a schedule to make sure each day you had a ripe avocado. It's very stressful, but that hack solves everything. And how have we not known about this? So there's that that's that on that. And the next thing is she sent me this TikTok about, because she knows I'm obsessed with like hormones and learning all about that stuff right now and eating for hormone health and my cycle. She sent me this TikTok and it was like, strawberries are always on that list of fruits and vegetables that are dirty or full of pesticides. And I'm like, okay, like I get that. And so in the TikTok they're like, "Do you wash your strawberries like this?" And it was literally exactly how I wash my strawberries. I just put them under water and like do this, if you can hear that, with my fingers, um pat them off, eat them. And so it was like you could be messing up your hormones if that's how you wash your strawberries. You need to do this, like let them sit in water with vinegar and baking soda for 15 minutes and then rinse them off and put them in the fridge and then they're ready to eat. It is so much work already to make sure I'm eating enough and enough of the proper things. Now I have to soak berries for 15 minutes in vinegar. Like, good God. And so it made me think about, and I could be wrong, this is just my analytical brain but it made me think about when Milo was a baby and the big thing on the news, because you know, the news, like they always have to have the, um what's it called? Like the, not catfish, that's when you pretend to be somebody else online, the um clickbait, the news headlines, you know, they pull something from a research study that, yeah, you know how it is. Anyways, the thing when Milo was a baby was about rice having arsenic in it. And so many baby food products were rice based. And so obviously everybody was like so scared. And just to bring that up, like where did that information go? Like you don't even hear about it anymore. And probably because once you actually look into the research, sure, there are traces of arsenic in certain rice products, but the amount that you would have to consume for the arsenic to be detrimental to your health is astronomical. Like nobody would be eating that much rice. And so they use that research article that found traces of arsenic in rice products and then they blow it up so that people watch their news stories and click on their articles. And then it just dies down because people move on and realize that, oh, it's actually not that big of a deal. Like nobody actually follows through. It's not like now our doctors are instructed to tell us not to feed rice to our babies. Do you know what I'm saying? So anywho, this is the strawberry thing reminded me of that because I was like, okay, these dirty dozen foods, how much of them would you have to ingest for it to have a detrimental effect on your health. Like how much do they know? Because I would like that information. It's like, it's like when you take medication, you're not going to take, you know, a a tiny little piece of crumb of Tylenol because it's not going to do anything. You need a certain dose of things for it to have an effect So that's always the question that I wonder about. I don't even think I respond. My mom sent me that TikTok and I watched it and I was just like, huh, I didn't respond. But maybe I will do some investigation. How many strawberries does one have to eat to have negative effects of pesticides? And are American strawberries different from Canadian strawberries? And so on and so forth. Like, are there different laws for the amounts of pesticides or what kinds of pesticides you can use like it's all very very interesting stuff today on my stories I talked about keeping nuts in the fridge so I make my own kind of nut mixture in a big airtight container in the fridge so what I do is I buy huge bags the biggest bags I can find of all different kinds of nuts like hazelnuts macadamias i can't all of a sudden i can't think of one fucking nut um cashews almonds pecans walnuts all the nuts pumpkin seeds sunflower seeds so i buy huge bags mostly from costco keep them in the freezer because nuts go bad and i didn't realize this either i used to just throw them in my cupboard or in a drawer for like years All of a sudden, you notice your nuts don't taste very good. And my mom was like, you should be keeping them in the freezer or at least in the fridge. But I find it easier to buy in bulk, first of all, because they're so expensive. Um, Costco is like the best for big bags of nuts. Keep them in the freezer and then take them out in small batches. Make a big nut mixture put it in the fridge and then keep your nuts in the fridge. This is so funny. Like how many times am I going to say nuts? I do the same thing with chia seeds, hemp hearts, because again, they go bad. They go stale or sour. I forget what the word is. They, I don't know, they're just not fresh. So that's why I do that. Someone messaged me and she was like, oh my God, like, are we supposed to be keeping our nuts in the fridge? Yeah, I think we should. It's like when you buy, um... Nut butters that are pure, you refrigerate them because they will go bad. Nuts are the same thing. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Okay, let's get into the topics that I wanted to talk about. So people pleasing versus kindness. Let's take it back to why I wanted to talk about this in the first place. I made a reel. It was this beautiful, lovely little sentimental reel about how I was at a birthday party this is a true story based on true events and a mom came up to me because this birthday party it was the entire class and the mom of this little girl in Milo's class came up to me and she was like oh like you're Milo's mom My daughter says that Milo is the nice boy in class. And I was like, oh my God, that's so nice. Like, I thought it was such a good thing. I was like thinking about how that makes me more proud as a parent than anything else. You know, like him being good at a sport or, you know, getting an A plus. It's like to hear that your child is kind to other kids, especially at that age, enough and so much so that, you know, the child tells their parent that Milo is the nice boy in class. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I made a joke. I was like, yeah, he gets that from my husband, not me. <laughs> so I made a reel about that. And then everyone was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Like, da da da. You know, what you would expect. Cause I was like, isn't this a universal feeling of like, oh, that's lovely? But no. Somebody came in with the doom and gloom and she was like, you know, I would be really nervous. Oh, I forget how she worded it. I should have kept it. But now it was so long ago that I don't, I can't go find the picture or like I screenshotted it. It was something like if someone said that to me about my kid, I would be really worried. I was always labeled the nice kid, but basically saying that she was like bullied and taken advantage of and she was saying how like people pleasing uh like usually if you're labeled the nice kid it's because you're like a people pleaser and like then you grow up to be a people pleaser and all this stuff and I was like holy shit like that got dark real quick so at first obviously I rolled my eyes at that comment but then I started to think about it and I was like okay I can understand where they're coming from. And it's one of those cases where they are generalizing their own experience to everybody else. So now anyone that's labeled a nice person is going through what they went through. And I don't think that's the case. Sure. For some people, I'm sure they're like, oh, yeah, they're really nice. And they're actually people pleasers and have trouble setting boundaries and have unhealthy relationships with people. Like, I get that that's a thing. But at the same time, each person is an individual circumstance. And so if Milo was a very timid child that had like low self-confidence and, you know, was shy and I seen him interacting with other kids and kids are picking on him and he doesn't stand up for himself, like that's one thing, but that's not the case at all. I feel like if you are confident you can be kind and it has nothing to do with you being a people pleaser or people taking advantage of you or all the things that she was saying the most hilarious thing ever is and I thought about this comment the other day because I'm all about kids learning body autonomy like I love that we have previous episodes on that topic they're incredible so important, especially nowadays. So I'm pretty sure that they're teaching something along those lines in Milo's classroom. Because the other day, he's standing at the table. No, the coffee table. And I'm like, "Hey okay, Milo, come on. We're going to eat dinner. And he's like, you don't control my body. I control my body. And I'm like, okay, but it's dinner time, you know? So then I was like... <laughs> If you're going to teach body autonomy in school, can you just clarify for the kids like what situations that would be appropriate in versus like when your parents tell you that it's dinner time, it's not them trying to control your body. So that was so funny. Like I didn't even know what to say. I was like, okay. um." So yeah, like it's great that kids are learning all these things nowadays. But at the same time as parents, it's like hey, can you help mommy clean up your toys that you left all over the floor? You don't control my body. I control my body. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, well, shit, what do I say now? So I found this article. I hate how I say so all the time. I just want to say that right now. And you know what? I read a thing that says people who say so all the time to start sentences are not confident in what they're saying. And every time I fucking say so, I think about that article and it drives me nuts. I need a word to replace so. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to jump into what I'm about to say. I found an article online that was people pleasing versus just being a kind person. And they talked a lot about the motivation behind the behavior, which made a lot of sense. The motivations behind being a people pleaser was first of all transactional so no I think that was appropriate in that in that sentence transactional thus uh, yeah anyways transactional so you're expecting something in return from somebody else and it got me thinking it kind of leads into the next topic but I'm not going there yet but grandparents, because I get so many DMs of just god-awful experiences that people have had in early postpartum labor and delivery in the hospital with grandparents feeling entitled to visiting the baby. Oh my god, somebody just sent me a message the other day that was like... Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com/momroom and enter our code Momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order.
1: Ah, hmm, the first taste of rare bourbon—you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.
0: of visits with the child per week or like a designated day. I was like, are you kidding me? I can barely see my husband in a week. And now people's lives are busy and you expect us to drop everything so that you can visit with our... Ba- it just blew my mind. But then there's some grandparents who, if you are setting a boundary, let's say... We don't want visitors for the first two weeks. We're going to chill at home. We're nervous about illnesses, whatever it might be. We just want time to relax. People turn around and say something along the lines of, well, you better not ask for help three months from now. You're not letting us visit or you're not letting us, you know, visit in the hospital room after the baby's born. Like, don't ask us for help. And they turn it around completely. That is so unhealthy. I just want to say so I'm sorry if that happens to people out there that made me when I read about the transactional thing that's what I thought of for some reason because that's terrible another because so many people are like yeah we don't even speak to our in law to my in-laws anymore because of xyz or because we didn't want them visiting in the hospital like they still are pissed off at us and our child is nine now and I'm like what Like, get a life, people. Get a life. So do you want to just not visit in early postpartum because they are going through whatever they're going through and don't want to have visitors at this time and move on and have a great relationship and live your life? Or do you want to hold a grudge because somebody set a boundary with you that you don't like and then be miserable for the rest of your relationship with those people? And then ultimately, your relationship with your grandchild is just going to suffer. Like, get over yourself, people. Anyways, transactional. So, if your motivation behind the behavior is transactional, that can be a sign of people pleasing. Guilt. Are you doing things because you feel guilty if you don't? You feel like you have to. And then the biggest one is probably that you don't want to be disliked. I have zero desire to be liked by whoever. So I've never had that issue. One of my issues is that I always worried about I always worry about other people being comfortable, which is probably why I'm decent at podcasting with people in person. I always want other people to feel comfortable. I'm working on that because sometimes it's to my detriment. So I need to work on that a little bit, but that's just something I know about myself. It doesn't mean I'm a people pleaser. I'm just, I feel like women are conditioned that way in general. Like it could be a random person in public and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want him to feel uncomfortable. So I'll just make myself feel uncomfortable, you know? So the motivation behind the behavior, if you're just a kind freaking person, you're doing it out of goodwill. I'm not even really sure what that word means. Choice. So you feel like you have a choice in the matter. You're not doing it feeling like you have no other choice like you have to do it so it's a choice that you're making and then you feel like there's an abundance of whatever it is that you have that you're able to help out other people so it could be your time for Milo it could be sharing toys you know he doesn't feel like he has to hold on to every single toy because otherwise he'll never see them again like he is comfortable with sharing or whatever I'm just using that as an example For the people feeling entitled, this topic blows my mind. Every single time I bring it up, it blows my mind because I get flooded with messages. Even if you just go to the reels and read the comments, you'll be like, wow, people's experiences. And people just, it's one of those topics where as soon as you put out a piece of content about it, people just want to share their experience so badly. I should almost do a full episode where I talk with people quickly about their experiences with people wanting to visit in the hospital, like be in the room when they give birth and how that played out for them because it's fascinating to me. I did an episode with Tracy Dalgleish. She's a psychologist and we did the entire episode on boundaries because a lot of people are like, well, what do you do if you set a boundary with your in-laws and they don't? Uh, like listen to the boundary or respect the boundary. And so we get into that in that episode. And that is episode 223. You can watch it on YouTube or you can listen wherever you are listening now. I feel like, first of all, how do you decide who is going to be in the room when you are going to give birth? How do you decide who should be in the room when you are going to give birth? You ask yourself, Who do I want to be as a, who do I want to be a support person for me as I'm in labor and giving birth to a baby? Who is that support person? For most people, it's going to be their partner, like the father or mother of the child. It's going to be a doula. And that's the thing. Some people feel entitled to be in the hospital room during labor and delivery Because they're the grandma or because they're their sister or because they're their mother. And that's not just because you have that relationship to the person that's giving birth. It doesn't mean that you are going to be their chosen support person for that situation. So for me, I chose like obviously my husband was going to be in the room and then I was allowed one other person So I chose my sister because she is so good in those kinds of situations. She is a nurse. She is super comforting. Like she's not, she doesn't get worked up over things. Like she's very, like, I just know that she does well in those situations. Whereas my mom is like me, I would be zero help. Like I would be help, but not like I would be internally panicking And that's how my mom is, too. Like, she would just be like, oh, my God. My mom had three C-sections with all of her kids. So to see like a vaginal birth would probably be shocking to her, whereas my sister had seen a bunch in throughout her schooling. So, yeah, initially I wanted a doula because there you go. This is a person that is a professional at supporting someone through labor and delivery. But because I was only allowed one other person from my husband, I chose my sister. And then my sister, we just basically like told her everything that the doula had mentioned for us. But it's interesting how people think, usually there's a a limit to the number of people you can have in the room. So why do you think it can be you? Like, what are you going to offer me or how are you going to support me through that process Do you know what I'm saying? It's like they're going to take up space in that room for their own entertainment. What are you bringing to the table? Are you a doula? Are you trained in labor delivery and giving birth? Did you go to any classes? Do you know what's going on? Or do you just want to sit there and be involved because it's your grandchild? Do you know what I'm saying? Why should you take up space in that room? If you have nothing to offer and who someone wants as their support person is very personal. You could have an incredible relationship with someone. It doesn't mean that that's going to be your chosen support person. And I think a lot of people, mostly grandparents get offended when you don't choose them as the person to help like quote unquote help because they want to help. Their intentions are good It's very personal decision who you want in that room and who you want in early postpartum. But everybody feels entitled to be there, to be waiting in the waiting room. Oh my God. One person said her mother-in-law or her own mom, like just like walked into the room shortly after she gave birth or something like like a few minutes after she had given birth and first of all like who is guarding the doors like people shouldn't even be allowed to walk in but the mom was like oh my god I thought something happened because the husband like her partner stopped texting me all of a sudden like texting me updates I was like are you shitting me like yeah they're having a baby why is he texting you every five minutes an update like People have lost their goddamn minds. I thought something was wrong. So I ran up here and barged into the room. Yeah, we're having a baby. That's why we couldn't text Yeah, Sorry. I also think, and this is huge. It is... Okay. People need to be prepared ahead of time for what your boundaries or what your wishes are going to be. And a lot of people won't know it until they're in the moment. And if that's the case, let's say you were like, oh yeah, I'm fine with having visitors you know, after the baby's born and we're settled in our hospital room. If you change your mind in the moment, it is up to your partner who did not just birth a child to relay that message to friends and family. You know what? She changed her mind. We're not going to have visitors at the hospital. We'll let you guys know when we're ready for visitors at our house. End of story. Lock the doors. You're allowed to change your mind. And I know for me, I expected just like you see on TV and what everybody else does, like everybody's going to come over and it's going to be like visitor nonstop and no, I didn't want visitors at all. And so it was up to my husband and my mom to be like the gatekeepers and let everybody know she doesn't want visitors right now. And we'll let you know, like we'll keep you posted. End of story. So you're allowed to change your mind. But if going into labor and delivery, you already know that you don't want people at the hospital and you don't want visitors as soon as you walk in the door. Like I've heard of people walking in the door of their home, coming home from the hospital with a house full of people, unannounced rage. Like the disrespect of new parents, especially new moms, blows my mind. And I am on a mission to change that. Like I will talk about this till the end of time. It is the hill that I will die on. But if you already know that you don't want visitors, let people know ahead of time. So that you're not having to do it in the moment. And then in the moment, if they're still giving pushback and they're not respecting it, it's up to your partner or whoever you deem the gatekeeper in that moment, a friend, your doula, whatever, it's up to them to let people know. I put out a card with under the stairs paper co because I was like, people should have a card that they're able to send to close friends and family that prepares them for not coming to visit. So I created a card with them. I think it's for sale on their website, Under the Stairs Paper Co. And it's basically like, we're about to welcome a baby. While this is a very exciting time in our lives, like it is going to be very busy and we are adjusting to a new life. So we will basically let you know when we are ready to have visitors. And that's like the gist of the card. Obviously, it's worded much nicer. But yeah, that's that on that. Okay, we are running late. I haven't gotten to the sleep mom TikTok, but all I want to say is that people assume sleep training means you're just letting your child scream till the end of time. That's not what it is. And I wanted to say that how can you look at that mom who was who made that TikTok and say, yep, that's good for the baby. Like her mental state, her physical health, emotional health, That is not good for a child. She was basically saying like, I feel like I'm going to die because I have not slept in a year. I don't know what to do. How do you think her interactions and her ability to be the kind of mom that she wants to be throughout the day that exhausted to the point where she's sobbing in tears? Like how do you, that is not good for the baby. That is not good for their relationship, for their interactions and you can do sleep training without doing cry it out. And I will say, my sister and her fiance were going through a similar thing. They were not sleeping at all. Luckily, he had paternity leave. So he was doing night times and then he would sleep for half the day while my sister was up with the baby. Most people can't do that. Another thing, people who are so against sleep training who have zero compassion for people who are in this kind of situation or people who don't have a village to help them parent or who don't get maternity leave paternity leave don't have a supportive family or a partner like anything to help them get proper sleep and maybe they have a child that is not sleeping at all like my sister's baby for the first I don't know almost nine eight months was up almost Every half hour, 45 minutes. I'm not even kidding. They weren't sleeping at all overnight. And like I said, her fiance would sleep half the day the next day because he could. He was on paternity leave. So you don't, there's not this dire need to sleep train because you're functioning somehow. That was like us. My husband was able, Milo woke up three to four times a night, but my husband would get up, give him a bottle for like five minutes, go right back to bed. I could not do that. If I was doing nights, we would have had to sleep train much earlier. But my sister got in touch with a sleep training company in North Bay and they met with them a few times. They explained their entire situation and like they tried everything. Nothing was working. And they taught them... They made them this entire sleep training plan, but while they had met a few times, obviously they were giving them little tips on like things they could do, what not to do. They explained, I think it was called like the ladder of support, like how you go into the room and there's like step by step what to do. So like first you just try like shushing them, like shh like to soothe them. If that doesn't work and like it escalates, you like pat their bum. If that doesn't work, it escalates, you like rub their back. There was like a whole like ladder of like what the process would be. They were, they decided they were like, okay, we have this whole sleep training plan. Like we're going to study it, like figure out a whole plan, how to do it. And we'll start sleep training on like the Friday. But the, the previous week before they started the full plan, they were just implementing these little things that the sleep trainers had taught them. And Poppy sleeps through the night now. They didn't even have to do the program. They just tweaked a few things, like with napping and how they put her down, this ladder of support thing, and now she sleeps through the night. So don't fucking tell me that sleep training is bad. Drives me nuts. So it breaks my heart that there's this stigma around sleep training People assuming that it's just you're letting your child cry when there's so much more that can be done to help parents get proper sleep because I'm sorry but all these people who are against sleep training like yes it would be lovely if we didn't have to sleep train and we can just get up 400 times a night and breastfeed all night and then pump all night and just do all the things that would be lovely but we don't live in a world anymore where that is possible. We don't live in a world where we have a village around us of close family, neighbors involved with childcare. Like we don't have that. We're on our own. We also like some people don't get maternity leave. Some people have to work full time in order to survive and they have a baby and now what what are they going to do? Not sleep. So while I appreciate your, like, no, sleep training is not natural. Like, we shouldn't be doing it. Like, in what world do you live in? We can't not do it in many situations. And the TikTok that that mom, like, my heart broke watching that. The TikTok that, or she is a perfect example of someone that needs help, obviously. But for for whatever reason... She doesn't feel like sleep training was an option for her, which is heartbreaking. And just to end it, go listen to the episode number 144 with Dr. Tanya Kotler. And she talks a lot about sleep training and attachment and why sleep training does not affect attachment. And if anything, it can be a positive for the mother-child relationship a well-rested mom goes a long way. So that's that on that. Ladies and probably mostly ladies, I am heading out to dinner and a movie. Like, look at me having a life. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you don't already, please subscribe on YouTube. First of all, the Mom Room Podcast. All our full episodes are uploaded on YouTube every week. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast. And yeah, I hope everybody has a lovely weekend, a lovely Friday. I hope the weather is nice where you are. And most importantly, I hope your child sleeps tonight. Okay, bye-bye.
1: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy.